Hey, welcome to The Revolutionized Mind, a platform about all things mental health. I'm your host, Angelica Galuzzo, and on this show, we use real stories and eye-opening conversations to make you feel less alone and a little more optimistic about what's ahead of you. Come on a journey with me. Bring your most authentic self, and let's revolutionize the mind. Reforming society, repairing your mentality, restoring your life. This is The Revolutionized Mind. Hello and happy long weekend. My mental health has been like a roller coaster the last week or so. I don't know what's going on. Somebody told me we're in retrograde, full moon, something going on out in the universe. But I've just been getting these like random waves of anxiety attacks where I just like can't breathe and then depression coming out of nowhere and my boyfriend's just like, what's what's wrong? What's going on? And I honestly don't know. It's just been so unpredictable. And I've had some really good moments and some really bad moments over the last week. And right now, honestly, I'm feeling kind of blah. And it could be because I'm staring outside and it's kind of rainy today when I'm recording this. But I don't know. If you're also going through weird waves of shit, you're not alone. (laughs) So all of that was just to say I don't feel like talking right now. And I'm just going to play the episode This topic is something completely new to TRM, it was completely new to me, something I hadn't heard of before recording with our guest today, so I definitely learned a lot about this religion, about this way of life, and not only that, he also gives a lot of advice based on his own experiences with nutrition and diet, and how certain foods makes his body feel, and how it's related to this whole topic, which you'll understand what I mean if you keep listening. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy and are able to learn as much as I did. Today I'm here with Dr. Varun Gandhi and we're going to be talking about Ahimsa, which is a new concept for me and something I did a bit of research on prior to this recording, but I'm excited to now learn more and put it on my platform for more people to learn about. So to start off, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I'm excited to connect with different people. And where are you from in the world? I am currently in LA, but I was born and brought up in Dubai in the Middle East, and then I moved to America about 2001. Amazing. Well, do you want to start off by just telling us a little bit more about, I guess, who you are and what you do? Yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, before I get to that, I start out every uh, recording, every interview with this little water ritual that I do. Uh, The reason I do it is I've spoken to a lot of people, and most people are dehydrated. uh, And I feel like hey, this is a reminder. I could do something to remind people to drink water. Uh, so I'm going to request you, Angelica, as well to, you know, let's just take a sip of water. Everyone that's listening right now, uh, take up your water bottles and let's all cheers together. Cheers. Got it. And uh, this is uh, replenishing 75% of our body, you know, and uh, it's just reminding people to drink more water so that you could actually you know, treat the 75% of the body as opposed to medicines, which are only focused on the 25% of the body, the solid portion. Uh, so about me, uh, I have a background in water engineering. Uh, I have a PhD in environmental engineering, and specifically, I was focused on uh, researching treatments for providing clean drinking water in our houses. 
And as I was going through the, the PhD, I graduated and found a job. And about a year into this job, I started having these pains in my solar plexus. And this was, I didn't really know what it was. I'd wake up in the morning and it would be there over time, over about three months, it gradually grew. And after three months, it was bam in my face, couldn't ignore it anymore. And it was, it was telling me a message. I wasn't sure what it was. At that time, unconsciously, I was asking it questions. And it led me to understanding that the pain was telling me that this, the path that you're going in life right now, which was that traditional, hey, I'm going to get a degree, advanced degree, find a job, um, get married, have a family, that kind of that trajectory. Uh, I'm not happy with it anymore. And this job that I'm currently in is not really fulfilling, even though I'm ensuring that the public health infrastructure is sound and uh, we are all provided with clean drinking water, I didn't feel like I was making much of a difference, especially in the role that I was in, you know, maybe like a 0.2% difference in the grand scheme of things. And that was essentially the message of that pain in my solar plexus, my stomach region. Uh, so uh, about a couple months into it, I decided that, okay, I'm going to leave this job behind, leave this career behind and uh, figure out what I want to do, what that, you know, where that purpose is. I was lost. I've always been lost in my career, my purpose, like what that bigger thing is there for me. Uh, and this was my journey of figuring that out. Uh, and so I became an entrepreneur, not really knowing what that was, not knowing what I wanted to get into. Uh, but I was open to experiences, open to different ideas. So I partnered up with a friend and we were helping international students who want to apply to schools in America, grad schools, MBA programs, PhD programs. We would help them out, guide them through the process, figure out which schools to apply to. That was directly related to what I had done in my PhD and you know, had all that experience there. And so I said, all right, let's try this. So I, I learned a lot through that experience, worked on that uh, for a couple of years, uh, got some great clients some great uh, knowledge from it. And, but then I said, there was something still more out there for me. This wasn't it. And it finally led me to uh, meditation. Uh, as I was also working at that job, I had gone through a breakup. And so that job was actually my, me entering that dark cave, uh, you know, like isolating myself from everyone because I'd just gone through this painful experience and I had a lot of suffering inside of me and for six months. I finally get to go into this cave. Uh, but initially in the cave, it was me running away from all of the darkness and running away from all of those beliefs that had you know brought me there at that point. And so I would drown out the pain, drown out the suffering with alcohol and drug abuse and things like that. And for a year, I was just denying it, running away from it. Finally, it caught up to me. I was like, you know what? I need to do something with this. And I started reading books uh, by Deepak Chopra. Uh, one book that stuck out was The Book of Secrets. Well, Book of Secrets is an actually very advanced book. And at that time, I was just beginning my spirituality journey. So 95% of it went over my head. I didn't understand anything about it. But the little bit that I picked up, the word meditation stuck out to me. And so once I moved back to Atlanta, left my job, moved back, I started meditating. I you know, researched what meditation was, Googled it, and got some ideas. I said, you know what, let me just start. I'm a self-starter. Let me just do it myself. And so I started meditating, extremely difficult to say the least. Um, and, uh, you know, if you have questions about it, I can even talk about my meditation journey and go dive in deeper. Uh, but essentially my meditation helped me, helped me dive deeper into the stories that I'm creating for myself. Uh, the reasons that that relationship that had caused me a lot of pain and suffering 
why that relationship broke apart. What was my role in that relationship? I was able to dive deeper into understanding who I truly was and how I'm behaving and showing up into this world. And at this time, I was running that rat race. I never had that opportunity, that time, that space for myself to self-introspect, to dive deeper and learn more about myself. So that's what meditation provided me with, that space and the time. Uh, and, you know, so back to Ahimsa as uh, kind of the topic for the day, a little bit intro about it, and then you can ask me some questions. Uh, so I follow this faith called Jainism. And it's similar to Buddhism, originated around the same time. Uh, and essentially, one of the main tenets of this religion, there are three main tenets. One of them is ahimsa, which means nonviolence. Uh, the second one is aparigraha, meaning it's like non-greediness, non-stealing. Uh, and then the third one is anikantvad, meaning looking at things from multiple perspectives so it's kind of like that elephant problem where, you know, are we focused on just the leg of the elephant or are we looking at the whole picture and the whole elephant um, together? And so those are three main tenets of this religion. But the one main one is ahimsa, nonviolence. And uh, that's kind of how my background in nonviolence and ahimsa is and how I'm applying those principles currently in my daily life. Wow, everything you just said is so fascinating. I'm so intrigued. I like how you kind of like the typical story of like you kind of went through a downhill a little bit and then you found yourself for lack of a better phrase and you turned to spirituality and you're hearing a lot more about these things recently which I love I think that like turn to some sort of faith or spiritual journey is so empowering and inspiring for others to see so that's awesome that you found it through meditation to start and now this new way of life so when you say non-violence for ahimsa what does that really even mean it's this uh, having a mindset that I am not going to cause any harm. That's to myself or to people around me, to insects around me, to animals around me. So in, in all aspects of that, right? Um, and I mean, you'll see all around us, people are always causing harm in some way. If it's not to themselves internally through their thoughts, their violent thoughts, you know, judging themselves, then it's cursing at other people because they cut them off in traffic or, you know, constantly being in a rush and what's the next thing. And, you know, so it's, you'll see a lot, a lot of patterns in our lives where we're causing harm to ourselves or people around us. And that's, what's affecting our relationships. That's what's affecting how we show up into the world. That's what's affecting our you know, financial abundance. I mean, it's, it's all around us. And that's essentially the, the essence of Ahimsa is looking at life through a nonviolent lens of how can I reduce the harm that I'm putting out into this world. Yeah, and that's kind of related to the next question I have to you, which is just like, how do you think this type of living could benefit people living in our society today? Because like you said, like just getting stuck in traffic or getting in your own head, maybe it's about body image or not being successful. Like you're being violent to yourself or to others. And I feel like we're so quick to judge or to get angry and just kind of taking a step back when we are able to do that. I think we see how positive that can be for ourselves and others. So how can we actually get there? I guess. Yeah. You know, that's a great question. So there was a point in my life when I was going through that pain and suffering and I was going to a nine to five. So by like three o'clock, uh, I would feel very down and lose energy uh, you know, I'd have to go for a walk, drink some coffee to pick me up. And I realized the reason I was doing this is because of all of that little judgments inside of my head, all of that little attacks to myself. You know, it's like those apps that are running on in the background of your phone 
they're sucking a battery. You know, they're constantly doing something, sucking battery, and it's you know re reducing the juice available for meaningful activities in your life. And that's essentially the same thing that I've noticed for myself, where by three o'clock, I would all of that negativity, all of that pain, suffering, and constantly reliving those experiences in my mind was sapping my energy, reducing my output. Then partly that's the reason I didn't really enjoy that job is because I was such in a, in a negative mind state. Uh, and that's what uh, having this nonviolent mindset kind of helps you with is uh, once you're aware of how you're creating violence for yourself, in what aspects of your life, in what experiences of your life are you judging yourself? Are you, you know, putting yourself down? Are you hurting yourself, creating fear, anger in some way? Once you're aware of that, then it's like making the switch of kind of changing how you view that experience, changing the story that you're creating in your mind. That was, that's kind of what helped me as well is understanding what stories I was creating while my energy was you know, sapping and going down and then flipping that like, hey, this is no longer being beneficial for me. I don't want to feel like this. Uh, so what, what are ways that I could, what are questions that I could ask to change the way I look at my life and perspectives? Yeah, I've seen a quote or something that says like the quality of your life is determined by the questions you ask yourself or others because it's so true. It just like encourages this new type of introspection and makes you look at yourself and the world differently, which is really eye-opening. Um, and I know you said like you started reading. That's kind of the first like step you took on this spiritual journey. But how, because it's obviously easier said than done to just like change that narrative in your head. So do you have any other advice or like actionable steps to get there in terms of that way of thinking yeah i've so i've created this course called what's your story and it essentially is understanding how our past experiences which are you know those defining moments those traumatic experiences but even the positive experiences those memorable ones like you know those the ones with your parents that you're the great memory that you've lived uh, it's creating a film, writing out all of those past experiences, essentially from your birth all the way up until your age right now, creating a whole life film, and then questions, asking those questions for each of those memories, understanding how each of them have affected us to this very day through a certain set of questions that I've created. And the, this has kind of helped me throughout my life as well, that pain in my solar plexus. Even though I did it unconsciously, subconsciously, uh, I essentially ask questions. And so I've kind of used the similar questions, fine-tuned those questions, and uh, put it out into this uh, little course that I'm creating right now called What's Your Story? Um, so essentially, it's creating a whole life film and then understanding how each of those have changed you, have uh, you know created beliefs inside of you that you carry to this very day. And once you know that, now you can start taking actionable steps or walking in the direction of where you really want to go and what beliefs you really want to hold. Yeah, and you said meditation was like difficult for you at the beginning. So how did you overcome some of those humps? Because I am not somebody who meditates. I'm just, I've always been a very anxious and like on edge person. So slowing down for me is very hard. Um, I have been trying to do more like mindfulness, I call it, rather than meditation, whether it's just going for a walk and like leaving my phone at home and trying to connect to myself. But how did you yourself like get better or improve in that sense? Yeah, that's a great question. The way I started was, so at that time, I was renting a one room at, in my friend's apartment. All of my belongings was in that room. Uh, essentially, I hadn't arranged anything or organized my space. So every floor space was taken up with something. 
Uh, and what I said is I'm going to create a space in the corner and focus in the corner. So face the corner and that way all of my belongings are behind me. All of my distractions are out of sight and I'm literally just the corner and me and that's all there is. Now, the only th the distraction that remains is my phone. Um, so what I did is initially I had this challenge of, okay, I would sit down to meditate and at some point I'd have this thought, has it been five minutes yet? You know, is the time up yet? And I look at the phone, it's only been 30 seconds. <laughs> and so to mitigate that, what I, what I started doing is I'll set a five minute timer on my phone. So I set that five minute timer. Now that question is out of mind. The phone's going to let me know. And then I set my phone upside down to the side. So this way, all distractions are out of me. And initially, I, so I tried out different, different techniques. Uh, one of the techniques, I was uh, focusing on a dot in the wall. I created a dot there. So I'm just going to keep my eyes open and focus on that. And I, w I started that way. Then I closed my eyes, created an imaginary dot, or imagined a flame. Uh, and this way, I started trying out different kinds of meditations. I feel like every person is different. So there might be one meditation that they're better suited to. And I think it's, our, it's up to us to discover what that meditation is so that you can just stick to that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of friction that can be created while you're meditating and you want to remove that as much as possible. So find the one that's the best for you, that becomes the easiest to you, right? Uh, so that's one thing. And then setting a timer, starting out with five minutes, not more than that. Uh, it's initially, it's very difficult. It's like in the ocean, you know, there are the waves at the top. They're really, really turbulent. So when you're first starting to meditate, that's where I was. I was at the very top, turbulent, constant thoughts all the time. And through meditation, I was able to go deeper and deeper and deeper into that water where it's still, right? But that it took me a year, a few years of meditation to get down there to that level. Uh, and so creating that five minute timer and saying, okay, I'm just going to get up to five minutes first. Let me work my way up. Initially, it took me two minutes, three minutes. I would still set the five minute timer. And if I didn't make it, I said, okay, I'm done for the day. I'm going to come back to it tomorrow. Sometimes I would skip the next day, but I would still come back to it at some point and consistently you know, come back to it so that I could build a practice. It's like going to the gym. You have to go to the gym, work on your biceps. That's when you'll start seeing some muscles. And the same thing. Meditation is that exercise for the mind to calm it down continuously doing that. So keeping that habit and setting achievable goals, right? Not stretching yourself and, oh, I'm going to do 15 minutes from the get-go. Yeah, this is so easy. I just have to sit there. Uh, but having those little steps. So that's that's how I started. And that's, that's why I, uh, about six months into it, I was able to get up to 10 and 15 minutes. I like how you mentioned that, like, if you can't do it that day, because that goes into the non-judgmental piece, I think, and kind of related to Ahimsa as a whole is just that, like, if you're not having it that day, like, it's okay to just call it a day and come back to it tomorrow, because every day is going to look different for you, obviously. So I think like that just starts those practices and those inner beliefs. And you said the religion you followed is Jainism. Is that right? That's right. Was that something that you were raised in or something that you came to follow and understand through your spiritual journey? I was raised in that, uh, but it was more so of the ritualistic way. Like, hey, we got to do these certain kind of things. You got to learn certain kind of scriptures. Uh, so these scriptures were all in a different language called Pali and Sanskrit. Uh, so, you know, let's not understand what the words mean. Just memorize them and come back the next class uh, and recite them. If you know that, then you're done. You don't need to know what it means. Uh, and so it was kind of in that sense, I 
was running away from the religion. It was very, you're not allowed to do this. Uh, there are a lot of restrictions in the religion as well. We turned with restrictions because it was limiting ourselves. But in, in essence, the reason we don't eat certain things, like for example, we're completely vegetarian. We're not supposed to be eating root vegetables. So like garlic, ginger, onions, carrots. Um, and the reasoning behind that is, the rational behind that is, uh, when you're uprooting the vegetable, the root from the ground, it's disturbing the environment for a lot of bacteria, for a lot of microbes in the soil. And one of the main things is nonviolence. So they go to the extent of like the priest in our religion, they cover their mouths when they talk. So they have like a kind of a little, little mask, if you want to call it, uh, but it's open from the bottom. Uh, so we hold like a handkerchief when we talk or when we're doing our prayers, we hold a, a, something over our mouth to cover it because every word that we speak is affecting, maybe harming the organisms that are around our mouth and, you know, in this general area. And so it's very uh, mindful of every little action that we're taking. Uh, and so this is a science that's been created for over 5,000 years, you know, and it's it, then it's, it was written down as these scriptures. But essentially, it's a science that, uh, you know, there's like a, in, in our scriptures, they have Jain cosmology, meaning they talk about the whole universe and how many life cycles there are and how many years there are and how long it lasts and all of that. So it goes on for uh, in, a, in a lot of depth and a lot of research has been done in, into this as well. So it's very interesting. It's the first time hearing about this. So it's just cool to hear like other people's perspectives and how other people, I guess, like, like faith and spirituality. I've been talking about this a lot recently, just how connected they are and how people put their trust into something higher than themselves. And it's just a really fascinating topic. And I'm curious. Um, so when you were going through a bit of your downhill, how did if you were raised this way, like you obviously, I guess, turning to drugs and alcohol wasn't aligned with that religion. So how did that affect you mentally or how did you go into it slash come out of it, if that makes sense? Yeah, at that time, I wasn't as strong in my faith of this religion. Uh, I would beat up my body in different ways, like you know, with fast food, for example. I was vegetarian throughout my life and I've always been vegetarian uh, but I would, you know, French fries are vegetarian too, right? And that's like fried food. So uh, in essence, you're harming your body, you're killing your body, uh, poisoning it slowly over time. And so in that sense, I, I wasn't very uh, religious or Jain, like following Jain principles. Uh, and so, yeah, I would, uh, you know, alcohol is against it, but a lot of our youngsters, they drink um, socially. And so it's... Uh, it's like, it's kind of like a balance. But then at some point I said, you know what, I'm killing my body too much. I don't want to poison it with this, with these chemicals anymore. So I stopped drinking about five years ago now and uh, felt so much better. I've turned vegan as well. So removed all dairy from my diet and that's helped me, you know, keep me energized. Yeah, I don't get bloated anymore. I don't, I'm not inflamed as much anymore. Uh, and so it's, it's uh, changed a lot for me. And uh, just becoming more mindful of everything that I'm putting into my body. Yeah, I'm seeing more of that too, like the whole holistic way of living and just like gut health is such a big thing right now too, and how connected it is to our nervous system, which is like the central piece for all mental health related concerns. So it is a really interesting topic and diet and nutrition and just wellness lifestyle. It's all so connected and it's so interesting to see like how it affects different people. Yeah, it, it's... Uh... You know, it's an essence of life. I feel like uh, what I've learned is every time I'm trying out something new in my life, like 
food-wise, right? There are a lot of these new vegan products, plant-based products that are coming out into the market, uh, fake meat stuff. And I have to go through this process of understanding whether these things are good for my body. So what I do is I try out something new and I, then I pay attention to my body. I'm just mindful, very aware of everything that's going on in my body. How am I feeling as I'm eating this food? Obviously, I feel good about it. So, okay. But now, how am I feeling an hour after it, two hours after it, three hours after it, six hours, that night, the morning after? How long does it take for it to go through my system? The longer it sits in my system, the more toxic it becomes for my body. And so I pay attention to all of these different things. And in this way, I've been, I've been able to eliminate certain foods that are not really good for my system. I just watchful, like, okay, I don't want to feel like this anymore. So let me remove this from my diet. So I've removed a lot of the fake uh, plant-based meat from my diet because I've realized it gets me bloated. It um, Maybe while I'm eating, it feels as, oh, cool, I'm eating meat. But, uh, you know, after the, after the fact, I feel the effects of it. I always get tummy aches. Uh, and so I'm extremely mindful of that, of, of all the food that I'm putting into my body because it's essentially the food that we put in is what our body turns into. You know, the food that we ingest, it gets converted into more body. And, you know, what kind of body do you want to create for yourself? You know, we have the power for that through the foods that we're eating. That's so interesting and something I definitely need to pay attention to. But it is such like a subtle thing to just pay attention to how like a certain food makes you feel because I feel like if you do have a normal diet, we'll call it like you're following the same foods every day. If you are eating something like foreign or something out there, like it is something easy that you can pay attention to and kind of just see how it affects your body. Like you said, pay attention to all those things. So I think in our society, like, well, fast food, such a big and convenient thing. So that's a big problem for a lot of people and just regular process like fruits. And it is really hard to, I think, go that organic route because it is typically more expensive and less affordable, all these things. So yeah, I think that's a whole nother conversation, nutrition and diet, but <laughs> thanks for sharing your experience. No, I think if we can, you know, just move from the fast food to the fruits, it doesn't have to be organic. Base level fruits is fine. I feel like even that's a lot better than all the fast foods that we're, you know, poisoning our bodies with. So I think if just this, the awareness of how does this make me feel and do I want to feel like this again, you know, and not just while you're eating the food, but throughout the life cycle of the food in your system, I would say. If paying attention to that, I think we can make a lot of wise decisions about our diets and it'll save us a lot of pain, a lot of suffering and a lot of energy that we're essentially, you know, because when we eat stuff like fast food, the, the junk that our body's not able to process, it sits in our system. And then it's kind of like, again, that app in the background where our body is trying to process it. So it's utilizing energy from our system to try to do something with it, but it can't really do anything with it. So it just sits there. And so it's kind of like wasting of energy that could be utilized in more productive ways. How do you deal with like cravings for that unhealthy food? So I was going to say like McDonald's is so good. How do you, <laughs> you can't get that from fruits. <laughs> so kind of how do you balance that in your own life? You know, those cravings, I feel like there's some chemicals in there that make you crave it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And if you, so initially it'll be hard. It's like a drug, right? There's something yeah. in there that, that you're craving that you want to eat, uh, you know, have that drug, for example. Uh, the same thing with food. It's like that drug. Once you're away from it enough, and there's actually a whole process of how I got away from certain foods as well that I'll share with you. 
Uh, but I think once you're away from the food enough, then that craving will drop, right? Uh, so the, the process that I've used in my life is, so when I, convert, when I went from vegetarian to vegan, uh, let's use that as an example. I took it slowly. I said, I'm not going to go cold turkey. My wife, she went cold turkey. She took, went to a fridge, removed everything that was not uh, plant-based and restocked her fridge with everything plant-based. I said, I'm going to take one thing at a time. So let me work on cheese. Let's switch cheese. All right. Next month, two months later, I'll come to something else. Uh, the last thing I did was yogurt because that was the hardest for me growing up. I'd have every meal. I'd have yogurt with it. And so it was the most, you could say, uh, the craving that I would have for yogurt, right? So I said, let me find a yogurt that tastes very similar to what I'm used to. So once I found that, it made it a whole lot easier and I was able to switch over. Uh, but it, every time that I would slip up, every time that I would want, you know, crave the other thing, I would not shame myself. I would eat it. But again, I would pay attention to how I'm feeling after. I would always make note of it and that I would use as motivation to start switching over quicker and quicker. So let's say, for example, at the very beginning, you'll, you'll maybe crave it. And within two days, you'll, you'll want to eat it. So you'll, you'll eat it. That's fine. But then you'll pay attention to it. You'll pay attention to how you feel. And the next time you'll be like, oh, I don't want to feel like this. So the next time you eat it, maybe four days later, not two days. Oh, and then again, when you eat it four days later, you'll be like, okay, you'll pay attention to how you feel. Be like, oh, I don't want to feel like this again. So the next time you'll maybe eat it 10 days later. And so slowly the gap will widen, widen and widen. And once that gap widens long enough, then it'll no longer have an effect on you. You can enjoy it once in a while, but it's not like you're craving it. It's not like you have to have it and you can't survive without it. Hmm. I'm just like, I, it's so interesting how this is even related to Ahimsa and just the religion piece and how internally those perspectives just kind of change for you. And obviously it's a gradual process, but over time you're learning that these things are harming your body and making those small, but like realistic changes to your daily life to take away that harm from your body and other people. Because like you said, it affects how you are, it affects your relationships, how you treat other people. Mm -hmm. So it's all connected and it's so interesting. Um, and I guess like, since it is all related, if you could summarize all of this into like a few key points, what would be the biggest things that you would want people to take away from this conversation or just Ahimsa as a whole? Uh, so one, one thing I'd say is drink more water. And to that, let's, <laughs> let's take a sip again. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So these are two sips that people would not have usually normally taken, but because we had this conversation, now they're taking it. So that's awesome. Uh, and then I would say is paying attention to the stories that you're creating in your life, right? How are you viewing life? Because the way you view a certain situation will be different from the way I view that same situation. You know, we could both go to a concert, but if I broke up with someone and you're there and you're enjoying having the time of your life, we're going to have two very different experiences, the same exact situation. So pay attention to those stories. And usually it's, it may be a very quick process where we come up with that story instantaneously and we're not even sure where it came from. We just latch onto it. Something comes up, we latch onto it and move on, get angry you know, get angry at other people, throw that energy out at other people, then it's going down this roller coaster. So paying attention to the stories that we're creating, really being there right here, right now, in the moment, so that 
when we're creating those stories that are bringing us down or bringing someone else down, we can bring a filter and stop it. And again, this is a work in progress. It'll take time. But at least the sooner that you can recognize that you're creating harmful stories for yourself, the quicker you can start changing these stories and moving in the direction of empowering stories. Yeah, self-talk is becoming something more like discussed in the mental health field, but just in like the well-being field as well, because it impacts us in more ways than I think we like to acknowledge. And it's something that does just happen subconsciously. It's something that is impacted by like everyday life as we're scrolling social media, as we're going outside for a walk, like so many things impact the way that we talk to ourselves and the way that we talk to others. So I think like changing that narrative, making our own mind like a positive place to be in is such a hard but like necessary first step and it's something that will have long-lasting impacts yeah i think if you know if you can have signs in front of you signs around you of the positivity uh like i have these signs behind on my shelf in front of me in my office that remind me of the way i want to live you know the signs in front of me that says express myself so this sign has been there for about six months now And in the last three months, uh, four months, I've done so many interviews like this, been able to express myself in ways that I haven't been able to before this. So having these reminders in front of you, the one next to it, it says, be you. And it has a person sitting and meditating. And that's, you know, being in that meditative state at all times so that instead of coming into the fear, you know, I've had this fear of being in front of a camera and expressing myself, especially in front of a camera or in front of people. And it's been a work in progress, taking time to move past that fear and become extremely comfortable like I am with you right now, being able to share myself and being me, you know, being me present so that when you ask me a question about something, I'm able to give out the best response. So I feel like having these reminders around you, uh, all around you, and that could also be in terms of music, you know, playing positive music, having some great smells around you, essential oils or lighting an incense around you. And setting up your environment for success, I think that will, uh, you know, change how you create different stories. You would not know at all that you had a fear of the camera because you're crushing it. So that definitely shows how much you've improved from that fear. Um, That's awesome. And I definitely agree with like the environment piece or having those positive messages around you. I have like on my vision board, one thing I was focusing on this year was like opportunities, seeing things as opportunities rather than like something I'm forced to do. Um, So that's one word that I have on my vision board and just going along with that, like my diffuser, my clean space, like what you surround yourself with is such a solid representation of like how your mind is or how you want your life to be. So just doing those little things, daily habits that can really impact you will like add up every single day. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then over time it makes a huge difference. You you won't see that. I, I didn't see the effect right away. Like putting that sign up, Day one, day two, there was nothing. But then after three months, after six months of sitting there constantly looking at him like, all right, okay, now it's starting to take an effect on my life. And you have to be open to seeing it. Like you can be, I think it's hard at the beginning because you don't see the effects like right away. But once you start opening your mind to like different possibilities and how it might manifest itself to you in like different ways, you have to be open to that. And that's like a practice in itself. It is, yes. Being open to it and accepting of it. Yeah. Allowing it to come in. Um, Well, my last question for you is like, do you have any recommendations on further reading, watching or listening to Ahimsa related or Jainism content? Like, I'm so interested. Personally, I want to go do more reading. Yeah, that's uh, so I'd say 
There is an academy that's coming up online. It's a virtual academy called Arihant Academy. And I'll send you the links for it as well. Okay. Um, and they're start launching in the next couple of weeks. And they're essentially having online courses where you could sit virtually. Uh, some of them are pre-recorded and some of them are live where you can get live teaching. Uh, and so they're, uh, it's all about Jainism, diving deeper into these different concepts and in, in essence, making it practical. How can we apply these concepts in our daily life? And, you know, like nonviolence, how do we apply that in everyday life? And so there is these professors that are already in universities and they're teaching in universities. Now they're creating these courses online. Uh, so I think that'll be a fabulous way to start. Amazing. And what other books did you start reading like in your early <laughs> spirituality journey? Uh, let's see. The Book of Secrets is one. So in my early spirituality, I was more of, I was open to not just Jane spirituality, but everything, right? Um, and so I'd, I'd read a lot of Deepak Chopra. I was looking at um, Eckhart Tolle. Uh, I'm not sure how you say his name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, any videos that I come across on YouTube that have a you know, sound message. Uh, lately, I've been listening to a lot of Sadhguru, who has a lot of uh, very uh, practical messages that he has, these little clips that I found on uh, YouTube. Uh, and then been reading his books as well. Um, the Inner Engineering book is, is a great one. Um, yeah, so those are some of the books that I've, that I've picked up along the way. Amazing. Well, I have definitely learned a lot from this conversation. And I know anybody listening to this episode will as well, um, especially coming from like a Western world. I don't think these are topics that are really talked about very often in our school system. So it's nice to do this kind of exploring and just connecting with people from various backgrounds and faith and religions and just hear their ways of life because I think it really expands our own view on the world. So thank you so much for sharing everything that you did today. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad we connected. I'm so glad for uh, being here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Uh, love and abundance, everyone. And uh, if you want to connect with me, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or through my website, uh, drvarungandhi.com. I just think like all things, faith and spirituality are so interesting. There, there's so many aspects to it and so many different perspectives that people from different areas of the world have, different cultures, different races, different family norms. Like there are just so many things that can vary between two people's lives that completely change the way that they see the world, see themselves. And I just think that is so like, it's such a unique part of being human and I think it's just part of the whole experience that we have together, like on this earth to learn more about how other people's brains work, how they were raised, why they do certain things, why other people don't do certain things. And I don't know, it's just, it's all so connected, but so different at the same time. And it's just so eye-opening to hear these different things because it really does give you new ideas to think about. And personally, I've never heard of Jainism or Ahimsa before this when Dr. Varun reached out to me and said he could talk about Ahimsa I went straight to Google I'm like what the hell is this um, but once I did research I learned more and I thought it would be a really interesting topic to share on this platform because obviously related to mental health I think a lot of us are violent towards ourselves with our own thoughts with the way that we view our bodies view our successes and we're just constantly thinking in the negative. It's something that we do as humans. It's something that 
really does take a toll on our overall health. So learning more about these perspectives can really help to change the way that you view that inner dialogue, for example, and maybe try to improve it in a way that makes sense to you. So yeah, I don't know. I learned so much today. (laughs) I have a lot of new ideas to consider moving forward, and I really hope that you do as well. As always, thank you so much for supporting The Revolutionized Mind. If you haven't already, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're listening on. And I will be back next Friday. 